Well, welcome back to Battle Plan, uh, a podcast focused on spiritual warfare. I'm Steve Hemphill. Last time, uh, we talked about Sue Park, and this uh, she's a young Korean girl who became a foreign exchange student. She was from South Korea. She ended up with a Christian family and uh, became uh, a, a believer rather than an atheist, as her family was, and uh, she was scared of heaven. And we talked about the orchestrating of her questions and my uh, book on heaven uh, that only could have been done by God. This time we're going to talk about uh, Matthew Fontaine Mari. Matthew Mari was born in January of 1806. So he's not somebody we can call and talk to like we could Sue Park. But um, Matthew was a very dedicated Christian. And he read a verse in Psalms that really got his attention in his Bible study one day. It says, this is Psalm 8, verses 6 to 8, uh, NIV. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swam the paths of the sea. When Matthew was contemplating that verse one morning in his, in his Bible study, he said, wait a minute, there's paths in the sea? That's interesting. I would like to find those. So he set out on a life journey of finding the paths in the sea. It led him to join the Navy, worked his way up, and uh, ultimately became the superintendent of charts. And he began to require all Navy vessels to document their longitude and latitude every day and the direction of the current. And he began to plot those together and realize there are, there are paths in the sea. And he wrote a book as he compiled that information. The book is still being used today. It's called The Physical Geography of the Sea. It's called The, modern, the Textbook of Modern Oceanography. We still use it today. In fact, in World War I and World War II, we got our ships and men and supplies there quicker because we knew the paths in the sea. There are paths in the sea. It all happened because Matthew Fontaine Maury read the Bible and took it literally. Now, Jesus makes a startling statement in Matthew 18, verse 3. He says, um, unless you turn and become like children you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. I find that to be quite a startling statement. You can't go to heaven unless you learn to think like a child. That's very interesting. How would a, a, a child think about the Bible stories? I think this is a spiritual warfare issue. Trusting God's word as a child would trust God's word. If you told a child the story of creation, what would they think? I believe that child would think on the first day, God made this, especially when it says there was an evening and a morning and, and it was another day. There was evening and a morning and another day. It doesn't say there were millions and billions of evenings and mornings. It's, it's just an evening and a morning. It's singular. If you told a child the story of Goliath and David, what would they believe? That Goliath was really nine feet tall and David killed him with one stone. You know, it kind of reminds me of a, of a personal story in, in second grade. Uh, we had to turn in a quarter on Monday, which was our milk money. And if we turned in a quarter on Monday, then all week, all five days, 
we got milk. We could choose chocolate milk or white milk. And I always got the chocolate. But I had to turn my quarter in on Monday to get milk. If you didn't turn your quarter in Monday, you didn't get milk all week. So one Monday, the, the bus was honking. And I said, Mom, I need my quarter for the milk this week. And she looked in her change purse. Guess what? No quarters, no change. And she looked at me and said, I'm sorry, we don't, I don't have a quarter for this week. And I said, Mom, you, you just don't understand. I, I got to turn that in now because if I don't get it in today, I, I won't get milk all week. So she frantically digs in the bottom of her purse. And fortunately, there was one quarter that had fallen out of her little change purse and fallen into the big part of her purse. And um, she gave me that. And she, when she gave it to me, and she said, OK, here's a quarter, but don't lose it. We don't have any more. So um, I, I took it to Ms. Reardon and I said, Ms. Reardon, here's my quarter for milk money this week. But I want you to know my family is flat busted. We are out of money. Mom said this was our last quarter. We don't have any more money. <laughs> well, everybody got a laugh out of that. But the bottom line was, I just believed my mom. I trusted her. When she said, this is all we had, I believed her. Once when we were on a trip and my kids were little, our oldest son, Spencer, was probably four or five in a car seat. And, and we had been uh, to Tennessee uh, or Arkansas or Tennessee, that part of the country, several times over a two or three year period. And, and so uh, we'd always come back a certain route. And as we were coming home this time, we got close to the Texas border. And I said, I think I'm gonna go a little different route this year to the house. I'm gonna turn and go down a different road and, and uh, see if that's shorter that way and if it's prettier scenery. And so um, turned out I missed the turn. And so I said, well, that's okay. We'll just go this way. Meaning we'll just go the way I usually go which was a little further east before I turned south. And Spencer heard me say that I missed the turn and we'll just go this way. And he said from his car seat in the back seat, he said, well, this is a very sad day. And I said, why, Spencer? What's wrong? We'll never see home again. You said we missed the turn, so we're going to go this way. He thought that meant we weren't going to that house anymore. We're going to go to a new town or a new house in a new town. And kids just take things literally. They believe, they trust and when Jesus said, you have to trust like that, think like a child to go to heaven, I believe that's a pretty startling statement. Um, I'd like to write a book someday that's called something like this. Uh, Bible symbols always represent literal realities. Let me say that again. Bible symbols always represent literal realities. You see, I think Goliath was a real person, nine feet tall, and David really defeated him. But I also think Goliath is a symbol of giants that we'll face in our life. There'll be financial giants. There'll be emotional giants. There'll be spiritual giants. I think baptism is a symbol of something going on in the unseen, and it's, our, it's part of our connection to God. And yet we don't just say, well, I'm ready to be baptized, and we don't, we're not told, okay, sit down where you are and just close your eyes and imagine yourself in some water. No, we literally get in the water. Does that make it magic water? No. There are literal sides to symbolic gestures. Blood on the doorpost was a symbolic gesture, but it was real blood, and it truly, really saved their children from the death angel. The mezuzah was a symbol used by the Jews. It wasn't a magic box to protect their house from all enemies. It was a reminder of their connection to God, and God protects his people. We could go on and on, touching the hem of the garment of Jesus and marching around Jericho. Uh, this leads me to another really surprising statement that Jesus says about kind of taking the Bible literally. This comes from John 3, verse 12. Jesus says, if you don't believe me, when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe 
if I tell about heavenly things. In other words, if you don't even believe what I say about creation, what I say about uh, a scripture says about God's love, those kind of things, then, then I can't tell you about heaven. You won't understand. You won't believe. It. You won't get it. You've got to learn to think like a child. So I would suggest that part of our personal battle plan should be to pray that God gives us the faith of a child so that we trust his word like Matthew Mari did in the early 1800s. I'll see you next time on Battle Plan, and next time we're going to talk about an atheist. I met one, one morning early at Burger King while I was eating breakfast who got very angry when I asked him if Jesus was Lord. Keep praying because prayer works. Remember, God loves you, and I love you.